Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos. Here with me is Greg. Hey. And Matt Hubertson. I'm back, baby. He's back, baby. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod. And feel free to email us at NoTruckStopsPodcast at gmail.com. This is our basketball episode on a Monday. Uh, yes, we've had to do a lot of uh, shifting around. Uh, we've had our own, we almost had our own COVID cancellation. Uh, we were supposed to do football today as we normally do, but we ended up doing basketball. Grapes, uh, couldn't make it and she wanted to make it for, we wanted to make sure she was there for the last football episode of the year heading into 2022. Uh, real quick. Do y'all do, uh, do y'all do new year's resolutions? No, I'm honest with myself. So no, <laughs> I don't either. Uh, I feel like I kind of used to do them in my head, but, uh, yeah, no one, why do we, it doesn't matter. Um, I say that in our football segment, we're going to have a new year's resolutions for each pack 12 (laughs) team, but (laughs) they probably won't stick to them either. But yeah, they're stupid. They make no sense. I'm calling it now. Cal's resolution needs to be just maintain a program. Don't fold. (laughs) Just just exist. (laughs) Just exist. Make it to the next day. Um, Anyway, this is our basketball episode somehow. Um, Here on a Monday, our football episode is dropping Tuesday at 5 a.m. now. So just a programming note. I'll have to tweet that out uh, beforehand so people are aware. Um, But just so you know. Talk a little bit of hoops, and maybe you'll – maybe we're on the – this is – the basketball is going to get the prime slot right now. So uh, anyway, so – we're talking about basketball, talking about the Pac-12 and hoops, talking about who's up, who's down, everything in between. Normally, we start with peak of the pack and down bad, but things have been very weird, and we have to start part with the weirdest thing, which is COVID-19 cancellations. USC and UCLA had a bunch of games canceled and are now canceling their trip uh, or their hosting of the Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State. Those games were scheduled for December 30th and January 2nd. Uh, those aren't happening anymore. They're dead. Um, they don't exist, uh, and we'll, they will get. They're going to get uh, rescheduled somehow. Meanwhile, Colorado has had COVID issues. They had to cancel their game last minute with against Kansas. A bunch of Kansas fans and the Kansas team traveled to Boulder to play that game and to watch that one. Uh, and then Colorado had to cancel because of positive cases in their program. And finally, Stanford, um, they had to cancel their game against Vanderbilt. After playing two games, uh, you know, just a day or two prior, um, they had to, uh, they were about to play. Oh, God, I forgot who the team was now. Do anyone remember? Stanford? Vanderbilt. I just said it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stanford had to play Vanderbilt. Uh, and they had to cancel that one. So, uh, yeah, and Arizona State had to cancel their game, but not because of COVID, but because apparently their facilities like shut down, like they had no power and water and stuff like, like a pipe burst or something. <laughs> something like that. like that. I have no idea. Nonsense. Uh, of course, Arizona State had to cancel their game because of that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, whoever the vigilante is, show yourself. Name Thank yourself. You. Whatever. Thank we you have for, a prize. Uh, <laughs> keeping us from watching that game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not subjecting us to Arizona State basketball yet again. Um, 
Anyway, so yeah, we've gotten now to this point where games are getting canceled left and right. Uh, we've missed a ton of games. It's going to be a while for some of these teams before they play again. Um, and now there's talk of, you know, because Stanford had just had their COVID outbreak now, there's talk that their game uh, on January 6th against UCLA may not happen. So UCLA may go a month, maybe longer without a game if they don't uh, figure something out. So I don't know. Do you all have any uh, reactions to this? We'll start with Greg. Any reactions to the COVID cancellations and USC, UCLA, Colorado, Stanford, and other things? I'm uh, very scared and very sad. Very sad that we're, we got to wait for UCLA, Arizona. We've been looking forward to that one for months. Or I guess maybe not months. Season hasn't been going for months. But we've been Weeks. looking forward for that basically since the Arizona-Michigan game. And yeah. uh, I'm... I'm worried. I'm very worried about how this is going to impact the rest of the season. Like, I could see a situation where the Pac-12 shuts down basketball for a few weeks, and I wouldn't blame them at all with, you know, how COVID is spreading through all these schools. And uh, it would it would be a shame. It would be a real shame, with especially for UCLA, Arizona, and USC, with the kind of seasons they're set up to have. And... I also don't want another year of missing March Madness because that is the best sporting event in the world. And a year without that is like a year without Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matthew Hubertson, what about you, Pac-12 basketball enjoyer? Uh, do you have any thoughts about this or the COVID situation here generally? This just, this feels so ominous. And obviously this going on with, you know, at the same time that we're getting a bunch of bowl game cancellations on the football side, this just... It, it makes me want to shut down from a fan perspective. <laughs> yeah. You know, so naturally really. this is the one day that I come back to do the podcast on the basketball side. Um, like I just, it, it feels like something bad is going to happen and I just, I don't even want to invest for mm-hmm. what feels like an inevitable heartbreak, you know, of it just, something's going to get shut down. Something's not going to happen for some reason. I'm still driving to LA to go to the Rose bowl, which I, you know, fingers crossed, a whole lot of prayers that that happens. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> there's yeah. just, there's a bunch of that kind of stuff where like, I, is UCLA going to have like 10 less games than everybody else? And are they going to jump from a one seed down to like a five seed just because they didn't play enough games in the tournament? Like I, I'm, it feels like there's no way that this doesn't have a massive impact. And th- it also feels like I'm like, we are at a very much so the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean, this has been a, it's been like one after the other and it's basketball and football and you're like, you know, we were just kind of talking before we hit record here that the Sun Bowl uh, between Miami and Washington State might not happen because Miami had to pull out because of COVID cancellation. It's happening. It's happening fast. Um, You know, I think, I think the, there's some silver linings here and that this is happening at this point in the season rather than in March, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and we know that, so just some, not, not again, non-epidemiologists, please go do your own research, but not like that. Like, <laughs> You're go, a doctor. like do your own research, but like, go, but like, you know, don't be a moron. Um, don't do it with YouTube, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, apparently the Omicron variant uh, spreads very quickly. It's very transmissible. It's extremely contagious, but that also means that maybe this peak will kind of go down quicker. Like right already, the Omicron variant variant is by far the dominant strain in the United States. That's probably the vast majority of what players are getting and coaches are getting um, in this round of cancellation. So maybe that means that the peak of this is pretty short. Um, 
And maybe, you know, there's there's some growing evidence, but again, this is not this I am not an expert. This is I'm just an informed citizen passing down what I've looked up and seen. Um it seems that maybe the Omicron variant is less dangerous, less deadly. I think it took a while for them to find the first case of a death from the Omicron variant. So hopefully, but uh, I mean, still, either way, I think there's been like it almost feels like just because, first of all, people are to your point, Matt, about people being checked out and fans checking out. Um, I, it, it feels that this time of year, people are kind of checked out on college basketball and college football to begin with uh we get a bunch of scattered bowl games and like yeah you know we get the college football playoff and we'll have the rose bowl and those kinds of games but like it generally feels like people are just they're normally checked out this time of year anyway i don't know why not just pause the season for a month like who the fuck is gonna watch except for me except for greg and maybe matthew Bertson, like who the fuck is gonna watch stanford vanderbilt like on december 23rd or whatever Oh, it was December 25th. Sorry, it was Christmas. Uh, who was going to watch that? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Why not? Why? I, I don't see why you wouldn't pause the season and say, hey, I don't know. Look, COVID taught us that like we are extremely flexible in our scheduling. What's to stop the NCAA from just saying, we're going to put a pause on the season from December 15th to January 15th, pick it up back January 15th, and we're pushing March Madness back to April. Like, you could do that. Like, why not? I don't see why you couldn't. Well, um, I, I wanted to get up to this, like when we were actually trying to catch me up on this, why I thought conference season started. Why are we playing non-conference games right now? It starts it's, like January. Yeah. For some reason, uh, we played conference games early. Like it's still yeah. non-conference season, but then huh. they just like threw in a few conference games to spice it up. I don't know why they did it. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, typically what will happen, yeah, we're getting the scattered conference uh, conference play games in the middle, but usually it's like early January, I guess they push it up to, to late December, but you get the weekend road trips where it's like the you, the LA schools will travel, this yeah. upcoming weekend was supposed to be the Arizona schools traveling to the LA schools and then everyone making those trips and then kind of doing it and then cycling through, but yeah. Yeah, no, this is, it's, it's a, it, it's, it's still, I mean... This entire pandemic has just been like uh, mind-numbing, silly shit where we're just like trying to do this for what? Um, as if we didn't learn that we could just we could just move schedules. <laughs> like we could do that. Like, I don't know. We were talking. We literally have fucking Rutgers, five and seven Rutgers playing in the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest um, at the drop of a hat. So you're telling me we can't just push this shit back a month and wait for all for it all to go down even just like two weeks um, like let people have their christmases let people have their exposures yeah. and then let's just let's move on yeah really um i'm hearing a lot of complaining i don't know about y'all i'm hearing a lot of complaining around the protocols and are too strict which might be true i guess uh given where we're at right now um but i'm hearing a lot about that i'm hearing like oh the vast majority of cases are asymptomatic um like I, I was listening to the podcast of champions and David Woods from what he had been hearing and said, like, that's all bullshit. They're symptomatic, um, you know, from from the things he had been hearing. And I and I nobody gets tested unless they're symptomatic. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, if they're vaccinated, they don't have to get tested anymore. Right. Right. I, guess the point I think of if it... they're vax if they're vaccinated and asymptomatic, you don't have to get tested mm-hmm. unless you're like a close contact with someone who tested positive. Right. And, and they right. might be doing like. They might be doing periodic tests, but it's not nearly as often as it is with unvaccinated people. 
Yeah. Anyway, so um, I don't know. COVID's given them the opportunity to just push this thing back. I mean, it's happening. It's not just happening in in college sports. It's happening in the NFL. It's happening in the NBA, especially the NBA. I feel like is where they're they're getting hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so and, hard in basketball. Like you, just, the smaller rosters, like everyone is a close contact. So one yeah. person everyone's gets indoors. It and, yeah. Um. No, I mean that's it's totally true. Anyway, uh, kind of a bummer. But um, I don't know. I mean, hopefully they'll get to reschedule this stuff, and they'll they'll do some they'll do some stuff and push March Madness back a, a week. Maybe they've already done that. I don't even know. Maybe they've already factored that into the schedule. I hope they have. And there's a makeup week somewhere there, somewhere in there. But UCLA and Arizona have to play twice. Um, that right now on the schedule they play again in February, or they play for the first time in February. Maybe they maybe they'll figure out something then i don't know where i was kind of looking at the schedule just couldn't figure it out but um maybe they'll they'll play beforehand but um i really want to see usc and ucla play arizona twice mm-hmm. i think those games absolutely have to happen mm-hmm. um good they're marquee games yeah yeah those are games you have to save top 10 matchups nationally watching them you know you want to you want to showcase the good teams especially when there's only three of them it's also lining. like a brutal oh. trip for arizona <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. no, tough Likes trip back Arizona. On the road. Silver lining rescheduling that. We're not putting it at fucking December 30th. Uh, no, when no, yeah. Again, Nobody no students around. No game. one's watching, right? Like, uh, Could not. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm disgusted that they scheduled <laughs> Daddy the game George, on that please. Day. Daddy George, what are you doing, buddy? Do better. Um, please. Anyway, okay. Any other thoughts about COVID cancellations and all this nonsense and bullshit that we're doing. Well, it's funny. We just like learned none of our lessons and we're just doing it all over again. But mm-hmm. what, what do we else do we expect from this country? <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, normally we do again, normally we would do peak of the pack where we talk about who had a good week in the pack 12 and hoops and down bad who had horrible weeks, but there was just so many games that got canceled and so few of them that we're just going to talk about one of them. Um, the big one, the marquee one, Arizona, Tennessee. Um, Arizona ended up losing to Tennessee uh, in this game. Arizona traveled to Knoxville for a true road game. And uh, Tennessee won that game wire to wire, ended up with a score of 77-73. 77-73. Thank you. I was looking for where that was. Um, when did they play? Didn't they play Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. There it is. Yeah, Wednesday. Thank you. Um, yeah, Ben Matherin scored 28 points. He was brilliant in that game. Um, really really carried Arizona there mm-hmm. and, and was the reason they were in this game to begin with. But, uh, you know, just seemed like Arizona Arizona definitely looked vulnerable in this one. Uh, Greg, did you watch this one? And uh, what did you think of Arizona's performance against Tennessee? Uh, it was bad. Like... Aside from Matherin just being incredible at basketball because he was awesome and just so fun to watch, but uh, Arizona's bigs were terrible, useless on both ends. Like, offensively, they combined for nine shots, and I think, like, so until, like, the last three minutes, I want to say, Tubelis didn't have any points. Like, he got his first more points while Arizona was down to Tennessee at the end of the game. And at that point, it felt inevitable that Tennessee was going to win. Like, their stats look terrible. You know, uh, uh, Tubelis is three for six for six points. Uh, Coloco's two for three for four points. And they were somehow, like, worse than the stats say they were, you know? Like, it was just hard to watch. And Tennessee's leading scorer on the game, uh, 
John Fulkerson, I think his name is. Yeah, John Fulkerson. He was before that game averaging 8.6 points per game, and he had 24 on Arizona. And uh, that's just unacceptable when you're a team like Arizona who's who they pride themselves on having, you know, good bigs. Like, that's a strength for them. Uh, Coloco and Tubelas have to be so much better. Kirk Creesa also was not good. Like, he had some moments of brilliance because he is a really great uh, playmaker, but he also had some, like, what-are-you-doing moments. Like, there was a moment late in the game, Arizona down, uh, I think they're down by two, and Creesa just pulls up from way behind the arc and shoots early in the shot clock, and I just had no idea why he did it. He was 3 for 10 on the night. All of them were threes, it looks like. Yeah, it was just... It was just bad all around, and somehow they were in it because Matherin was awesome. And for me, that's like almost encouraging because uh, on a on a day where Arizona had their worst performance of the season, I think yeah. they almost beat a good Tennessee team. You know, like yeah. I think they're gonna. I think they're. I still think Arizona is really good. This didn't lower my opinion of them. Yeah, no, you're right. And uh, Christian Coloco is your list of Bellas, like disappeared for most of this game and and still came that close uh matthew Hubertson, did you uh did you watch this game and if you didn't uh do you have any i don't know questions about what you thought about us in arizona i didn't watch live um but i did go back and rewatch it i um i felt like this was one of the first times this year for arizona that we've seen them not we've seen them actually show that this is a first year head coach team with a bunch of transfers in mm-hmm. um they just they And this especially is evidenced by just how the first half went where Tennessee came out and they knew exactly what they were trying to do in this ballgame. They were executing at just a much higher clip. It just had an all-around better plan, and it kind of felt like Arizona was out there just playing, you know, some pickup ball a little bit in that half. And so – and kind of like what you talk about, Greg, where it's just I don't know why he's pulling up from three and and that sort of a situation and stuff where just the little things that – it's disappointing to see, certainly, but are so much so to be expected and things that you would have expected to see rear their ugly heads in, frankly, in bye games that mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. seeing this in a true road game against a top 25 opponent. Not sure I feel that bad about it. Like it just it kind of is what it is. Um, and otherwise, like good job actually coming back in the second half and not folding. So, um, yeah, really not comfortable with the SEC continuing to be like a decent basketball conference. Mm, yeah, uh, should no not kids. be allowed to happen. Not fun in any way, shape, or form. Um, otherwise, I know nothing else about Tennessee because truck stop. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. It was it was a fun game. Like it was actually good, and there was a lot of um, like good skill shown. I felt like I felt like it wasn't just a really ugly ball game. So it was good. Yeah, I was uh, I was impressed with, you know, coming into this, Arizona came into this game top five. They still are top five in adjusted tempo. They are the fastest team in the Pac-12 by a mile, one of the fastest teams in the country. They want to run, and they want to blitz you. Um, and Tennessee did a really good job of taking them out of that, and I think that's encouraging if you're, other, if you're a fan of uh, UCLA, if you're a fan of USC, teams that want to slow you down. Um, you can you can do it against Arizona. Arizona got slowed down. They were never able to get in transition the way that they want to, even on you know misses and turnovers. Just Tennessee did a brilliant job of making them play half court offense, 
And uh, Arizona suffered for it. Like a- Arizona looked very vulnerable in the half court. It looked like for long stretches in the first half, smaller stretches in the second half, but primarily in the first half, looked like they had no answers for what to do um, in the half court. Um, it sort of felt like they had one. They they made one pass and, it, and the ball was sticking and. They couldn't get it to Christian Coloco or Julius Tabellis, and when they did, Tennessee was crowding them and forcing them into some tough shots or into turnovers uh, or force them to desperately pass out to one of their guards. Uh, Tennessee did a really good job of uh, making Arizona play a slow style, which is kind of surprising. I wasn't sure what to expect in this game. Um, you know, Tennessee is top 100 in tempo too, so they also like to kind of go up and down. Um, but they, their formula was, Hey, Arizona might actually do this better than we do. Uh, we'll slow, we're going to slow this down and we're going to make this a game there. You kind of grind it out. Um, and, and it worked. Um, Arizona really, really struggled trying to get anything going offensively in the half court. And this, despite the fact, by the way, Tennessee won this game, the score is a little deceptive. I know 77 73. And I know that Arizona was competing and they never, they never got fully blown out the way that you might expect. But this is a wire-to-wire win for Tennessee. Tennessee never trailed in this game. Um, Arizona looked like they were kind of kind of claw back in, and Tennessee would always have answers. That's impressive considering that Tennessee only shot 38% from the floor and 29% from three. Um, and if you're Arizona, a little concerning that your defense – Arizona's defense did actually do a good job against uh, Tennessee, not just if you were just watching the game. Um, nothing was easy for Tennessee. Um John Fulkerson was really the only one who who I think was consistently making shots and and he had to make some tough shots. Um he looked he looked awesome for Tennessee and Arizona forced him to do some to do some dumb stuff. So, I I mean it was uh I think again if you're UCLA or you're USC, you're looking at that and you may be like, "You know what? They're a little vulnerable. Like they mm-hmm. they they'd want to get out in transition, but you can slow them down. If Tennessee could slow them down, UCLA and USC can slow them down. Both of those are teams that that want to make that would want to make Arizona a half court team. Tennessee showed that you can do it and that it does not take elite level talent to do it. You just need some good team defense. So um, I'm not sure if I'm, I mean, Tennessee's a good team per the advanced metrics per this game, per the way that they, uh, the, the wins that they've also had this season, but I don't know, slightly concerning for Arizona considering, you know, just that again, a road game, but just considering the fact that they weren't able to get, what they wanted to do right you almost it almost would have benefited arizona if this was a track meet and they lost that way um so i don't know it was a fun game for sure though it was it was Mm -hmm. a like shot like just incredible shot making from benedict mather and and from john fulkerson it was really entertaining i do want to take one second and like this is not to say that tennessee did not deserve the win because like you said they did however arizona got absolutely fucked by the refs the refs were so bad in this game. It was like they were calling fouls on Arizona players for breathing, I swear. All four, all five of Arizona starters had at least four fouls, and only two of them didn't have five. Like, it was it was absurd. I've It, uh, it was so frustrating to watch, and, like, I don't want to excuse the bad performances from a lot of them because even without the fouls, they were bad. But the fouls just made it that much harder, and I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that. Um, I think if they played that game again, even if Arizona plays a game, if they played that game again with different refs, I think Arizona would have won, even with Arizona playing badly. 
But like you said, Tennessee exposed uh, some flaws that Arizona does have, and Tennessee did deserve to win. Like, uh, I just am. Yeah, I'm upset by <laughs> the fouls that were called in the game. Did you see, by the way, that uh, Tennessee had a player? He only played two minutes, but they have a player named Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Did you see that? Huh. Interesting. The son of I'm your gonna be rooting two, for him. Yeah, two, two Utah football <laughs> legends there. Yeah. Um. Very funny. I don't know. I was just kind of like at the box score. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-eight personal fouls for Arizona to, to Tennessee. Sixteen. I get it. Um. But I, I, if they played this game again, I don't know. Wire to wire is hard to argue with. Fouls be damned. So. I think if they played it again, just straight up, I think Arizona would win comfortably because there's no way those bigs wow. play that badly again. <laughs> there's no way those bigs play that badly again. I mean, Tennessee did a really good job of crowding them. It's not like they were just like having a bad shooting night. Like it, it, the second Azulis Tubelis or Christian Coloco got the ball down in the post, there was three Tennessee guys right there crowding them. They, it, they got them no air. And it wasn't that there was great offensive flow and the bigs were just like throwing up bricks. No, I, I'm I'm less <clears throat> upset with... Uh, it's more, I guess, I think Creesa did a bad job overall. Like he's got to do better at finding the windows when they're there because they were there at times. And they were there a lot more late in the game. That's how Tabellis got his his six points is just like finally he was getting hit for entry passes but uh defensively i was i i I expect more from them uh than we got and like you said arizona made things hard but i i think they could have done better on that end especially from the bigs and uh yeah i just i really think (laughs) they play that game again those bigs play better i'm not saying I'm not trying to say Tennessee's bad. I just think Arizona is – I just have a really high opinion of what Arizona is and what they can be. Yeah. Does this does this game change your mind about, uh, you know, their place in the Pac-12? Do you think – you know, last last week we were kind of talking about them. Is this team better than UCLA? Is this the best team in the Pac-12? Are they better than UCLA and USC? Does this change your mind about any of that? I, I mean, I feel – this doesn't really change my opinion about Arizona. I think they're – right up there with US, uh, UCLA and USC. I don't know that I'd say they're better than UCLA, but like if they end up being better than UCLA, I won't be surprised. Like I don't think this game is totally indicative of what they are. But it like you said it did it did show how to beat them. Yeah. Just they bleed. What about what about you Matthew Robertson? I um I have a harder the hardest part of this conversation to me is what is, what the hell is UCLA? You know, like I I think that Arizona is a team that on their best day they are going to be able to beat anybody in the nation. Mm-hmm. They absolutely have a final four run in them. But I expect inconsistency out of them. I expect them struggling every once in a while in a true road game against a top 25 opponent. You know, like nothing about this is out of character and out of my evaluation of this team. I, to me, it's more one of those things of is UCLA actually going to be a dominant force or not? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, when you're talking about like a 1A, 1B thing, I really I really want US, UCLA to separate themselves as an actual 1 and an actual 1A and make Arizona, you know, 2A and, UC, and USC 2, 2B. But it, I feel like UCLA is not pulling away, which may just be yeah. fatigue on the fact that they haven't played basketball in like three weeks. Yeah, the, yeah. they're not given, <laughs> getting many opportunities. I think with UCLA, so much depends on Miles Johnson. Like I... 
I understand Cody Riley is the starter there, but I also think that Miles Johnson has to be good if they're going to do it. And he's looked better recently, you know? Like, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He had... I can't remember who they were playing in that game. I don't know why it's living in my mind. But he was finally starting to show, like, skill. Like, he was catching the ball instead of it bouncing off his hands. He was moving in the post well. And uh, if he can play like that, and if he can be the rim protector that he was uh, he was billed as coming into the year, rather than just being a statue, I do think UCLA is the best team in the Pac-12. If he can't, I... Uh, I worry about them. I worry. I just worry about them dealing with Arizona's bigs. Yeah, gonna be interesting to see. Arizona's gonna want to run, and is Miles Johnson gonna be? Arizona's gonna I mean, want to run. UCLA's gonna want to slow it down. That is gonna be an yeah. interesting game. It's gonna be very interesting, and it's gonna be very interesting to see what kind of shape you know Miles Johnson will be in. He it looked like he was kind of playing himself into game shape, uh, kind of coming down the stretch, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how long it takes him to get back into game shape well and especially on that like is all due respect to to our the young son johnny juzang like I, is he going to go on a cold stretch and miss five possessions in a row and you say and you arizona going to run off of those and all of a sudden be up 15 mm-hmm. you know like yeah. there's just there's some matchup things that that could be tough there yeah when no, ucla is hitting i think they have a higher ceiling than arizona does but i think arizona is just a little bit more consistently good like Jaime Hawkes is Jaime Hawkes is always going to give you just elite performances. Like he's just always going to be great for you. Jules Bernard this year has been like pretty consistently good. Tiger Campbell's always going to run the show really well. Uh, but for UCLA to be that good, they all have to be defending well, which doesn't always happen. And uh, Johnny Juzang can't be bad offensively because he's never going to be that good defensively, and you need him to be that elite score for him to be providing positive value. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, anyway, well, we've talked a lot about this and we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think, I think we're in for some fun games at the top, but we should, uh, we should move on. If Cause I want to get to this. Yeah. If they happen, assuming they happen, I assume, <laughs> I assume once we get past January, middle of January, things will go through their own normal lull but we'll see maybe into february uh okay so we wanted to go on our next segment here uh catching up a casual matthew Hubertson, you you pitched this idea That's to me. us so uh so uh tell us tell us what this means y'all i just i've been checked out for two weeks so like give me give me some updates obviously like i know that ucla hasn't played basketball i know that arizona is good I, I'm shocked. I'm genuinely shocked to see USC at number eight in the nation and, and you know, kind of revered in the way that they are. And I have no clue what is going on in, like, the midfield of the, the four through nine teams in this conference. Like, tell me, tell me where everybody's at and what everybody's looking like. So, first off, congratulations to Arizona for going 11-1. and one. I wonder what bowl game they go to 12 <laughs> games into the season. Uh, very many. Can they go. fill in in the Sun Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, Greg, what do you what do you think? What would you what would you say about uh, let Let's start with the USC question because that's interesting. I, I mean, I think people were kind of thinking they might be good. Some people kind of knock their strength of schedule right now. I think of the three people think they're the weaker ones. People are kind of wondering if they're a bit of a paper tiger. Do you think USC is for real? 
uh, to Matt's point, and and what do you have to say about USC to to the casuals out there? I think USC is a lot better than I thought they were going to be because uh, I'm not super high on Andy Enfield as a coach, but I don't know that they're top ten good. I really like their length is is awesome, and uh, Boogie Ellis is so much better than I thought he was going to be, and him being good has been so good for them. Isaiah Mobley has really filled the shoes of his brother pretty well. Like, obviously, he's not as good as Evan was, but he is a very good college basketball player. He's done a great job, like, leading the team. Uh, they just—what's uh, the word? They're uh, more cohesive than I than I expected. They play well as a team, especially defensively, just with all that length that they have. Uh, they're really hard to play against. And so I'm, I'm kind of worried maybe when they play the best teams that they just don't have, like they don't have a guy that I trust. Like they don't have a Ben Mather and they don't have a Juzang or a Hawkes, you know, they're like, theoretically that should be Boogie Ellis, right? But like he's, he's, their, he's, he's not, their wing scorer, mm-hmm. but he's been going through some tough, str- he's, he's going streaky, through a tough he's, he's right streaky, now. you know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't trust him in the same way. I trust those other guys. Uh, USC is really good. I think they are a sweet 16 team, but I don't know that they're better than that. Yeah, per the analytics, they're pretty comfortably the third best team in the Pac-12. If you look at simple rating system, Arizona's number one at 29.3, UCLA 10 points down at 19, and USC at 17.1, meaning, I don't know, there's some separation there. Um I, I I would say that maybe Arizona's not that much better than UCLA, but again, UCLA just from their performance, they're not blowing bad teams out the way that Arizona has. Um, and now now Arizona has a has a loss to a good team, so we can kind of the shine kind of is taken away mm-hmm. from there. But um, but and and again, USC strength of schedule, uh, very clearly the worst of those three teams. Um, you know, and and in fact, fourth worst. I'm looking at the strength of schedule on SportsReference.com. Um, fourth worst in the Pac-12, whereas Arizona has the fifth best uh, strength of schedule, and UCLA has the sixth. So, yeah, I don't I think, know. Yeah, I think that that's I, where I think, maybe like the number eight ranking is is shocking to me because it's very like I'm not. I don't know that I've been that impressed by, by mm-hmm. what I've seen in in scoreboard yeah, watching. Like <laughs> Ken Palm has uh, Arizona and UCLA at seven and eight, and then it has USC at twenty one. Uh, I think anywhere from like 15 to, to like I think UCLA USC is like the 15 to 20 25 range like a really good team I don't think they're elite I think UCLA and Arizona can be elite I do think I think there's a gap between yeah I think that's right and I think the past and you know just just again before COVID happened and hit their program past four games for USC not not particularly impressive uh they needed uh they did beat Georgia Tech somewhat comfortably but they um they definitely that game was competitive late uc irvine uci had a real chance at beating uh usc mm-hmm. on december 15th cal state long beach usc really struck pulled away in the second half but but really struggled with long beach state in the um in the first half and then eastern kentucky they were just they were just fine and that was coming off a stretch where they were looking pretty dominant uh against some some lesser competition um and even you know that Washington State win, where it was a two-point win, I that was looking worse and worse as Washington State kind of spirals. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't say that they have a lot of shit to figure out, 
but they certainly have some answers. They need uh, they need some answers um, to compete with UCLA and Arizona. And Isaiah Mobley is uh, by far their best player at this point and, and does the most for them. But he's not the kind of guy that, like you said, Greg, like he's not Ben Matherin. He's not a Johnny Juzang or a Jaime Jaquez. He's not even like a and, uh, Andre Kelly for Cal or a, a Terrell Brown for Washington. He's closer to like, Jules Bernard than he is to uh, – and I'm not saying he's the same player, but I just mean like same. he's closer yeah, to the I, level – Isaiah Mobley is a big guy. He's closer to the level yeah. of Jules Bernard than he is to the top tier of players. And honestly, I'm not sure he's better than Jules Bernard. Like I think, I think there's yeah. a discussion to be had there. And that's that's yeah. where you, USC uh, is behind the other teams most. It's just they don't have the the creators. I feel like the shine on USC is just as much about how much, you know, if you were to say, are they closer to the UCLA and the um, Arizona, or are they closer to the number four team in the conference, whoever you want to pick that to be. You know, like I, I definitely feel like they're on the higher end mm-hmm. of that, of that, and so it make, kind of makes you want to lump them in when really there's still a, a fairly decent gap. Like I feel like USC is going to be able to really rack up a bunch of wins and is going to go into March as like a three seed or something and is going to be in a prime upset spot. I could see yeah. I could see them playing a team that shoots well, USC doesn't shoot well, and they lose because they just don't have – if they're not going to shoot well, you know, <laughs> it's going to be scary hours, you know. But they have that length where they can defend anyone. And so – yeah. Well, let's talk about Matt's second question in there, which was the middle of the conference and catching him up on the middle. Uh, and I want to kind of start, Greg, by kicking this to you. I, the, there's a real question as to who the fourth <laughs> best team in this conference is. Uh, it's And I'm going to throw four teams out there. And you tell me which of them is you think is the fourth best team. Okay, Washington State, they're eight and five right now, uh, coming off a couple of losses, one and one in conference. Utah themselves coming off a loss to Missouri, um, have a few uh, other wins under their belt, but lost to some teams there. Oregon, which looked absolutely horrible to start, and maybe I've kind of picked it up. Uh, and then Colorado, which is 9-3, the best record of the of those, but maybe the least impressive. I don't know. Of those, Washington State, Utah, Oregon, Colorado, which do you think is uh, number four in the Pac-12 right now behind UCLA, Arizona, for, USC? First of all, my instant reaction, having not watched anything for three weeks, what the hell is Oregon and Colorado doing this in this conversation? Uh, well, well, Colorado, <laughs> Colorado has won games, and uh, Oregon was competitive with Baylor. Oregon is analytically, I'm pretty sure if I'm looking at this right. Well, it depends on where you're looking at. Per Ken Palm, Washington State is a better team than Oregon. Oregon is 61. Washington State is 47 in the country. Uh, per simple rating system. It's reverse. Washington State is uh, Oregon is the better team. Oh, they're not. No, actually, Washington State is fourth in that too. So I mean, I don't know. Oregon was in that conversation because I think they had they have the talent. Mm-hmm. I think they have more talent we than want Washington State Oregon, does. Like we know Oregon can be good. Like there were people picking Oregon to go on Final Four runs. Like they have good players, but it just hasn't clicked yet. And I think with the uh, with the Baylor game and the other wins. Well, I guess yeah. I guess it's only two wins, really. It was just, it was just Portland. Just like yeah. soft flash. And, I mean, which Pepperdine, of those? Okay, I'll ask this but, a, a different question, Greg. By the time by the time March, mid March rolls around, who's number four? Is it Oregon? It's going to be Utah, I think. Interesting. Okay, say more. Utah has like, uh, they've got a baseline of competence that no other team outside the top three has. 
like I know what I'm going to get from Utah. I am never surprised by what I get from Utah, you know, and I think the losses this year are pretty easily explainable just by COVID and injuries. Like the loss to Missouri happened because Brandon Carlson couldn't travel because of COVID and obviously with Dushan uh, Mahorchic still out uh, with uh, the dislocated knee or whatever happened there, uh, they had to play, you know, Lahatun at starting center and the game just didn't go super well for them because of that I think Utah's better than the record just a little bit because of that and when Mohorchich comes back they're gonna get better and like I said they just have a baseline of competence I'm not worried about them losing stupid games whereas Washington State has proven multiple times this season they will lose stupid games yeah so like in the Pac-12 tournament if Utah and Washington State play where I'm at right now is i pick Washington State to win but if I'm picking who's going to just have a better record I think it'll be Utah just because they will not have the slip-ups that Washington State has and I'm not ready to believe in Oregon yet so I'm not putting them in that conversation yeah uh Matthew Hubertson this is your team Utah have you uh been keeping up with them much and how much you <laughs> okay he's shaking his head no I'm disgusting no <laughs> first of all okay so yes I'm definitely willing to say that like I think this is another situation where like football becomes basketball a little bit. And there is definitely some carryover because everything that Greg just said is what I watched in Utah football from 2013 to 2016. <laughs> yes. That's a great no, comparison. I have zero interest in watching that again at all. I've seen this movie before. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen this movie before. I'm not trying to watch that. Trash. <laughs> that is, that is quite literally make it as disgusting as possible. See if we can win by one score. I, I got to say, I love that. I hate that in football. I love it in college basketball. I fucking love it. I love Sicko's basketball. Utah beautiful. Utah makes everything disgusting. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, I, lo- I kind of <laughs> love this. <laughs> it's, it's weird because like, they play a 55 to 50 game against Fresno yeah. State. Where it's just like, man, that is so low scoring and disgusting. And you watch the score, you watch the game, you look at the box score, and you're just like, how did they get 55 points? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like, the leading scorer had 11. Like, and he wasn't even like watching the game. He wasn't even that good. Like, how did this happen? But it's just they are so, yeah, pesky. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I've I've not been trying to do that in my leisure time. Um, so no, absolutely not. I've not kept up on that. Um, I will say, I will say to your point, Greg. Um, missing Brandon Carlson for as long as they have, he's been out what three games in a row now? Did he miss the game against Manhattan? Do you know? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he missed. Uh, no, he was in, he was there for that game. He was uh there for the game against Manhattan. He may have might have missed. Uh. He, did he miss much of the game against TCU? No, he played in that one, actually. Um, anyway, he missed a game against Missouri and missed a game against Fresno State. Also missed their loss to USC um, by the advanced metrics. We kind of talked about this. Maybe the most important player in the conference to his own team. Um, player efficiency rating, which is a bit biased towards offense, admittedly. He's their second best player in the conference per player efficiency rating behind Christian Coloco. We talked about that list last week. Box plus minus, just how many, how by how many points are they outscoring their opponents? Brandon Carlson, number two in the conference, behind Christian Coloco. Mm-hmm. Um, he's top five in win shares. He's top five in uh, was top five is now number six in offensive rating. Um, he, so 
yeah, missing him kind of matters. I think you're. I think you you make a good point, and I think you might be right. Just the way that Utah plays, they have an identity. Um, they remind me a little bit of 2019, 2020 UCLA with Mick Cronin in his first year, just sort of like teaching these players how to play defense and how to have this identity, and maybe it looking ugly and it looking janky and having some losses that maybe you're just like what what was happening here um it's encouraging i i think washington state has has washington state has more good players which is good for them like utah has brandon carlson who is the only player Mm -hmm. i feel like is above average power five player like he's really good but everyone else is like, I'm worried, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I could see a disaster class coming from any of them, and it would not shock me in the slightest. I could see a disaster class coming from all of them at the same time. I would not be shocked. But uh, Brandon Carlson is straight up good, and so when you take him off that team, the drop-off is really big. Yeah, and Washington State has had has had fewer excuses, I think, for most of their losses. Their loss against Eastern Washington did come without Noah Williams mm-hmm. and TJ Bamba, so I did give them a pass for that. But, uh, but then they lost to who was the other team? They lost it, so they've lost three of their last four. Now they lost to Boise oh, State, wow. um, and I believe they were healthy mm-hmm. for that one, except for Tyrell yeah, Roberts. Was, it was a mid-major they lost to, like a not even a very yeah yeah good yeah mid-major, Northern Colorado. It? They uh, they beat Northern Colorado. They lost to New they they lost to New Mexico State and South Dakota State. That's the one. It was South Dakota State, and uh, yeah and new mexico man uh no uh so fa abagidi uh all coming off the bench for washington state i really don't i it's a really disappointing season for him yeah he started off really strong he was like a mm-hmm. big man for washington state and looked like he might be a very important player but um i don't know maybe he was injured or something coming off an injury but he he was he was coming off the bench that way so on the bright side for uh washington state fans i think it's at this point i feel comfortable saying I think Kyle Smith's going to be there next year. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's leaving. He's not getting coached, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, considering what what they what they had. Um, so yeah, I think I might agree with you that it's Utah at this point, just because I think they are more consistent. I think Washington State does have more talent, but Utah feels like they have a better identity. Play they play a more consistent brand of basketball, which I think consistency is the thing that ends up mattering to me the most. Uh, Oregon, we just, speaking of consistent, we just have no idea what they're going to be And Colorado. It just feels like a major paper tiger. They're sitting there at nine and three, obviously not that impressive. Um, but it's just, I don't know. Um, per net rating, I'll just read the net rating rankings here per net rating for the conference. Number one, Arizona, number two, USC, number three, UCLA, number four is Washington state per net rating, which is just offense rating minus defensive rating per hundred possessions. And then it's Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Washington, Arizona State, and Oregon State all the way at the bottom. So, uh, yeah, I'm in agreement. I think it might be Utah. Um, yeah, I don't think Utah has a super high ceiling, but the th- that's floor so is high. Yeah, yeah, it's surprising. You should watch 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 teams that are your own sometimes, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick here, a couple other questions here. The first one here, who is the best player in the Pac-12? I've seen these debates, and I've had uh, some fights with Arizona fans on Reddit. Um, you know, I put out uh, – I'll post it on Reddit, and the the title of the link was uh, for our last basketball episode, for two, two basketball episodes ago, 
was, is Arizona better than UCLA? And Arizona fans were like, yes. And UCLA doesn't have the wings. And like UCLA doesn't have a better player. UC- UCLA doesn't have a better player than both Ben Matherin and Kirk Creesa. Oh, and, you know, it's just like a lot. Of shit. So th- <laughs> this made me wonder. This made me wonder, okay, all right. We've got some heat here from Arizona fans. I'm like kind of happy that Arizona is good so that Arizona fans can finally talk some shit uh, and they can come out of the woodwork. Uh, now that's basketball season. Who is uh, so? I gotta ask. Uh, I'll ask to Greg and Matt if you've been kind of keeping up in the background or have questions about this. Definitely feel free to chime in. But who's the best player in the Pac-12? I think it's Matherin. Like I don't think it's a gap. Wow. Okay. I, I don't think it's a gap, a big gap, but he is. I think a better offensive player than Hawkes is, and I think it's those two. Like if I if I had to choose two, like if I wasn't choosing Matherin, I'd choose Hawkes, and there's nobody else like coloco is up there i guess but you know that tennessee game showed he's limited you know like there will never be a game where matherin only takes three shots he's going to create his own shots you know and that's really valuable uh you know it's like why usc we don't think they're the same level as the other two teams they don't have a guy who can create his own shot and hakas can do it too I think Matherin is better at it. Like, Hakez does it in a way that feels easier. I don't know. It might just be aesthetics that makes me prefer Matherin. Just the way he does it looks more fun. I think statistically they're probably really close. But uh, whereas with most players you can say Hakez is definitively a better defender, Matherin's also a really good perimeter defender. And... I think just the way he can shake his guy and get to the rim is something nobody else in the conference can do. And so that's why I'd give him that little edge. Yeah, I I hear you. I'm going to – and I hope I'm not being a homer here. I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Jaime Hawkes just because I think uh, – Yeah, I don't think you're being a homer. For just because I yeah. think that Jaime Hawkes contributes more defensively and kind of contributes all over the place um, and can, can, all, can play really any position, for, can guard – two through five um and oftentimes is tasked with having to guard the other guy's big man which is very impressive and um you know gets to do a lot offensively and just matters a whole hell of a lot more to ucla i mean not not a whole hell of a lot more because ben matherin like you said kind of takes him to that next level but i have no problem with ben matherin that that being an argument um i will say defensively uh, you know i i think i think i think Hawkes is better but like I think Matherin's not horrible. Matherin is also yeah, good. He's, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 he just does less defensively than Hawkes does because Hawkes can guard so many people, whereas Matherin is just guarding wings. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I mean, I, I think there's an argument. I think there's an argument for Isaiah Mobley. I think he's been... That is... In, yeah. He's been, he's, good been in, really good. he's been good in his own right. Um, and I think, you know, as a big man, he's really developed and it's... Really good to see him develop the way that he has. Like it's been, it's been an interesting ride watching him, and and really does kind of do a lot for them defensively. Um, is really kind of a kind of a defensive anchor for them in, in a lot of ways. So it obviously does a lot of uh, offensively and working inside and and all that he does. So I, I think there's an argument for him as well. Um, Christian Coloco probably more of an argument than Isaiah Mobley. Azulis Tubelis has got to be up there if you're talking you're talking about like top five players. I do want to say Kirk Creesa is not up there. Kirk like, I really not up there. really like Kirk Creesa. I think he's a really good player, but uh, he's not 
he's not efficient the enough. Arizona fans to... <laughs> are going nuts right now. <laughs> he's not efficient enough. Like that Tennessee game, if he was, I mean, like he could have pushed them over the edge by not sucking, but he sucked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. That's right. I think I don't. I don't think Kerkrisa has an argument. Dark horse again. I already talked about it, but a dark horse here is maybe Brandon Carlson. I mean, I don't know. I mean, certainly, I don't think he's the best player in the Pac-12, but analytics have him top five, top ten, and and frankly, when he's in there, Utah's a different team. They're a much better team when he's in there, and we have good data yeah. on what Utah looks like with him and without him, um, and they look much better without him. Uh, I guess you could say some of the te- the players on worse teams, like Terrell Brown for Washington, Andre Kelly yeah, for Cal. I guess you could sort of throw in like a Noah Williams, Michael Flowers. Maybe Michael Flowers actually um, gets the win there. Do they have the consistency? Uh, I know Noah Williams does not, but he also he has some nice highs. Yeah, he does have some nice highs. I think Michael Flowers a more Michael Flowers is a more consistent player. Um, is not as good of a defender, I think, as Noah Williams is. Um, and Noah Williams has had a kind of a kind of a, he's kind of dropped off a little bit this season. Yeah, he's oh he's only shooting thirty six percent or I guess thirty seven percent from the field. Yeah, so and I, I, it's not everything, but you got to be better than yeah, that. Yeah, he's and Michael Flowers. I mean, he, I, yeah, I think he's. I don't. I don't. Know if, I want to say that he's the best player on Washington State. Uh, but I think you could say that. I, but Fa Begidi, I just had so much hopes for Fa Begidi. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But you know, numbers don't lie. Like well, he's uh, Michael Flowers is analytically the best player on that team. Forty nine percent from the floor, forty percent from three. Um, so yeah, maybe he has an argument there too. But I don't know. Lots of good players. Uh, certainly, I think there's some that might be in a better. I'd say Jaime Jaquez. Uh, I think Ben Matherin is a good one. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a fun one to watch. So uh, Matthew Richardson, any uh, any win? part of that yeah. might just be. Uh, Part of me saying Matherin just might be the bias I hold towards NBA projectability. Like, I think Matherin is going to be a really good NBA player. Hawkes is not going to be as good of an NBA player as Matherin, just because yeah. he's not as athletic. And so part of that might be clouding my judgment. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I am a huge proponent of evaluating college athletes as college athletes and not as their projection to the next level and especially not as they're evaluating their ceiling. Cause I agree. I think Matherin probably has a higher ceiling, but Jaime is what you build a team around, man, at this level. Like this is, you have to have this guy on your team if you're going to be a championship team at the, in college basketball. And so I, I don't, I, I don't know that it's particularly close. Honestly, he does everything mm, wow. on that court for them. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean the the NBA if you're taking out NBA projectability, you might have to knock Ben Matherin down a peg or two, right? And like maybe even behind I mean, him, like, Isaiah Mobley. Isaiah Mobley oh, also another no. guy okay. who is a great college player and may, will never be a good NBA player. Um, I mean, I just think I just think like Isaiah Mobley does more on both sides. It's it's I, again Ben Matherin, not a horrible defensive player, but for that Arizona team you know kind of a weakness uh defensively i mean he's averaging 18 6 and 2 49 percent from the field 37.8 from three like he is a phenomenal scorer yeah i, I mean he's certainly to your point about high, uh, to johnny juzang there isn't johnny juzang is not in this argument is because he's worse than ben matherin is defensively and and doesn't contribute enough offensively to make up for it um Ben Matherin may be. I I I think it's fair to say Ben Matherin is a better player than Johnny Juzang is uh, at this. Well, I think he's 
right now, like this season, it's a massive gap. Yeah. I think he's been better at what Johnny Juzang is best at. Yes. Like, yeah, I don't agree. I don't disagree. Um, I think that's right. But yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just, uh, watching Arizona and watching UCLA, I'm tempted. I'm, I might be tempted. I might take, I might, I might be tempted to put Jules Bernard ahead of Ben Matherin. Oh, just cause, wow. just cause I think Jules Bernard also does a lot of playmaking. Um, yeah, that I one's think, a homer take. Uh, yeah. I think, <laughs> I'm also, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely higher Lawrence. on Matherin <laughs> as a defender. I'm higher on Matherin as a defender than you are. I think okay. he's, I okay. don't think he's a weakness. Okay. Yeah. Uh, please let us know if y'all, uh, if we got any Arizona fans listening to this, please, please yell at us and you can yell at me. That's fine. Um, okay. That'll do it for us. As usual, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at no truck stops pod. We'll drop again. Our football episode is going to drop at Tuesday at 5am. Someone put that in there. Thank you for fixing that. I, my pleasure. I'm here to serve. <laughs> For Matthew Bertson at Matt Nyber and Greg at Banana Morse, I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one, baby. Hey. Okay. I just had to check because... Uh, we were talking about the Malas uh, last last uh, last week, and uh, so, yeah, that's exactly Greg. Is that not exactly how I said uh, it? I sent to the group chat that you pronounced it blamales. That's exactly <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg. I think I nailed it. I think you're lying. You heard something else. <laughs>